Now let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our scripture readings for today come from the New Revised Standard Version Bible, and our first reading is from Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 34. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God. And they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. Our next reading is from Hebrews chapter 5, verses 5 through 10. So also Christ did not glorify himself in becoming a high priest, but was appointed by the one who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered, and having been made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him, having been designated by God a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Our last reading today is from the Gospel according to John, chapter 12, verses 20 through 33. Now among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida, in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew, then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now my soul is troubled. And what should I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said that it was thunder. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, This voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Now is the judgment of the world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate the kind of death he was to die. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we come to the last of our series about the promise of Lent though we still have one Sunday left in Lent. Today we look at the connection between promises and patience. Patience can be a difficult thing to have when we are waiting for something important. I think a lot of us 
have learned a lot about patience in this last long year. There's been a lot of waiting, and it's definitely caused some frustration. It's caused anxiety. It's caused doubt. And all of those things are normal when patience is tested. Jeremiah, in a way, gives us the epitome of having to wait, and we get that from the opening. The days are surely coming, but not yet. Not now. Not today. However, the call for patience is because something good is coming, a new covenant. One that's going to be better than the one that the people failed. This one will be internal. This internal covenant isn't going to be something that has to be put on tablets and read aloud, but something that we put within us will be in our hearts. I think one of the fascinating parts about Jeremiah is this idea that no longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord. And it's this idea of a personal relationship, not the distant one that we sometimes think of when we think about the Old Testament and the way that God is worshipped. Don't get too close. Don't touch. You're not allowed in here. A separation. A temple with distinct areas where you could or could not go. Instead, there'll be a direct access to God which we find in Christ. In John, we get an interesting discourse, the final public discourse in John's gospel. After this, anything said is said to the disciples or said in the trial. Or said on the cross. Some Greeks are coming to see Jesus. When Jesus is told, the response isn't exactly about Greeks coming to see him. Instead, it is a discourse about how the time is near. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. However, it still requires patience because it isn't quite here. But we get things laid out that the hour is coming. And it's time to know. The time is coming when the sacrifice is going to be made out of love. A time to glorify God. And a voice comes from heaven that when Jesus calls out, Father, glorify your name, a voice from heaven replies, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. The crowd is stunned. Jesus tells us the voice was here for the sake of the crowd, not his own. Because he is not the one that needed to hear this. They are. Jesus then alludes to the crucifixion that when he's lifted up from the earth, he'll draw all people to him. But that time is not quite at hand. There's going to be a great need for patience. The reason being that to see this through, people will have to understand, start to finish what's going on. And they'll have to wait to understand it. This idea of having to wait is one that can be really difficult because we don't like having to wait on anything. In today's society, waiting has become even harder. Things are on demand. You want to see the movie you want to see, push your button, and there it is. Hungry? There's plenty of places that are open all night that you can go to to eat whenever you want. Drive wherever you want to, whenever you want to. Go online, order at that moment, it will be here shortly. Now 
The problem is that we are a people who get impatient with anything. If you weren't sure about that, all you have to do is look around to see it's hard to be patient. Even harder when we're waiting on something big. Look at all the small things. People complain if they're waiting for a table. We get impatient waiting on a traffic light to change colors. How much more difficult is it to wait for salvation? How much more difficult is it to wait to know that you are saved? To wait to know the promise has been fulfilled? But we do wait on these promises, and we wait because we have faith. And faith is what strengthens us to have patience. Because we know that God is with us. Christ is trying to prepare the people around him for what's about to happen. And I don't know that it's really fully possible that they could ever be 100% prepared. And I can't fault them for that because I can't say that I'm 100% prepared. Because there's so many things I don't know. And so many things that I may not see proof of in this lifetime. For me, there's two ways of having patience when it comes to God's promises. We could simply look ahead and focus on what's ahead and only look to what's ahead and sit around patiently waiting to see. Or we take another route. By faith, we accept that God's promise is there and we actively work to uphold our promises to God while we patiently wait. Now, the difference is that we could spend our whole life looking ahead to life eternal and keeping our eyes only there. Simply waiting on God's promises and not lifting a finger. The problem there is that we ignore our promises. That Christ is there patient waiting for us to get up and do. It is no good to all patiently be waiting around for someone to make a move. Because even if we can't see it, we know God is acting. By faith we accept that God is there and God is doing. We accept that Christ is the fulfillment of God's promise of salvation that we knew the end of our journey to the cross to see love born out in sacrifice. What Christ is telling us in our reading today is that we must also actively seek Christ out. We can wait for Christ, but we're told that whoever serves must follow. That where Christ is, the servant will be also that we will know God in our hearts, we will be his people, he will be our God, and we'll know it because it's within us. But if we are to be where Christ is to be, then we must be there at the cross to bear witness to love, to bear witness to mercy. And we must patiently wait for the resurrection to bear witness to the promise of eternal life, just as we patiently wait for Christ to come again in glory. And it can get hard. Personally, I don't know that I am waiting these days. Not in the sense of sitting around and thinking about it and wondering what it'll be like, and thinking about it as some far-off thing that I just have to sit around and wait patiently to come to me. I say not waiting because it's more acting. Because part of my patience has become to live the promise by making sure that all know the promise is there. To patiently live the promise by being merciful, by caring for others, by speaking up for the truth and by standing up to injustice. Instead of waiting for God's kingdom to come to me, 
I've decided to work on building God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. That if I trust that God will give me my daily bread, I trust that I can keep working and to keep doing. That all things will happen in God's time. One might say that instead of patiently waiting, I'm patiently doing. I invite anyone to think about that. Because one of the difficulties that we face is not having the physical proof that we might want. No receipt, no confirmation emails, no reminder calls, but faith. And faith is enough for me. Because it is written on my heart. I know that God is my God. Christ is my Savior. And sometimes that's all I have to cling to. But it's enough to get me through. So in this time of reflection, as we walk closer to the cross during this Lenten reflection, I encourage you to look and ask, are you sitting and waiting? Or are you patiently doing? Acting on the promise that is there for you, making sure that others know the promise is there for them. Are we waiting to see what happens? Or are we bearing fruit? Are we waiting to see where Christ is going? Or are we following in faith, knowing That since our patience will be rewarded, we might as well keep acting and keep doing until that day comes. Because we don't know when the day will be that we will know. But we do know this. We are loved. Our Savior gave his life that we would know. That it would give us the strength we need to have patience. Knowing the promise is there. So live it. Go and patiently do all that you can, that you may be a light in the darkness, that you may be love conquering hate, that you may be mercy in a world that so needs mercy. And let Christ help you to be the patient calm in the storm, in this turbulent journey that we call life. Amen.